24 years ago, I got into radio. It was not my choice. People ask me that all the time. Oh, did you, did you always want to be in, in radio? No. No, I had no idea, no inclination that I would ever go into radio. And uh, despite that fact, I managed to host a morning show for 24 years at Sunday 95 in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, a great run. Blessed. Very successful. I loved it. And yet, it pisses some people off because there are some people out there, and God bless you, I know who you are, I've met you, I see you, that um, that's all they wanted to do was go into radio. And the fact that I waltzed in and got on a morning show and stayed on a morning show without paying my supposed dues by working overnight shifts or... Uh, um, afternoon shifts or, or doing anything else at a radio station that, that, might, that might actually shine some light on me and say, pick me, pick me to move up to the next level, piss some people off. I kind of disagree a little bit. Whatever you do in life sometimes leads to another path. I paid dues of a different kind. I was a stand-up comedian, and as a result of being a stand-up comedian, I became a guest on the show, and one thing led to another. So yeah, what I did prior to going into radio kind of paved the way a little bit. Was it a shorter path? Absolutely it was. Um, and would I have gone the other way and worked really hard? You know what? If that's what I really wanted to do, yeah, I would have done that. But it's not the way it worked out. But it did work out in a magnificent way. And I take my hat off to those people who uh, have strived and, and worked really hard to get where they are in the radio business. I take my hat off to you. You are radio professionals. I don't know how you do it or how you did it, but I hope that you keep on doing it. And I am no longer in radio. I'm out. I'm doing this. Drinking whiskey, smoking cigarettes, and talking to people. I'm out. Hi, welcome to Whiskey Business. I'm Dino Tripotis, Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey as I adjust to the new uh, microphone setup. The guest bottle tonight is Old Scout 107. I'm very hopeful. Old Scout 107, American whiskey, not a bourbon, an American whiskey. I was not really thrilled with the uh, Old Scout American whiskey regular, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> But our good friend John Whitney, who produces the YouTube side of this uh, podcast, picked it up from Kentucky. Uh, this is interesting. It's it's a blended whiskey. It's made uh, of bourbon from Indiana and whiskey from Tennessee. It's a blended whiskey, but they can't actually call it bourbon um, because it's it's recharred in oak casks, which kind of disqualifies it from the uh, calling it bourbon, despite the fact that the mash is actually in there. It's as close to being bourbon as probably something we'll ever get, and I'm very excited about trying it. So uh, that's our guest bottle, the Old Scout 107. We'll we'll sample that and see how that is and see what our guest thinks about it. Greg Hansberry has a little bit of business that we need to do before we actually get things rolling. Subscribe uh, to Whiskey Business yeah. on your favorite podcasting app. Rate yes. and review us on iTunes. Please, Please do. Thank you. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Whiskey Business Podcast. Mm -hmm. We've got a new Twitter account. We do. Whiskey Biz Show, B-I-Z. B-I-Z. Uh, yeah. Plus, uh, you know, you, you mentioned John Whitney, our YouTube director, uh, producer. We have a YouTube channel, Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. We're everywhere. Everywhere. You can find that we've got uh, even uh, like uh, unedited episodes, some cool shorts behind the bottle, um, yeah. different things that you can't find anywhere else but on YouTube. 
But uh, that's it. And plus, uh, last but not least, spread uh, the love with all your degenerate whiskey-loving friends. Thank you. <laughs> with all your degenerate whiskey-loving friends, which is uh, one of our guests tonight. <laughs> Speaking of loving degenerates, a man who I've known for a long, long time, Randy Malloy, is our guest tonight. He is the owner and when I, also the president, would you call yourself the president as well? Sure, yes. Yeah, the president and owner of CD 102.5. Uh, for those of you who live in Columbus, Ohio, you probably remember its humble beginnings as CD 101 back in the day. Back in the day. And Randy Malloy is the man behind that operation. And when I was babbling on earlier about those people in radio <laughs> who started from very humble beginnings, but Randy Malloy started as an unpaid intern in promotions at CD 101. Yes. And how old were you at that time? Um, I moved to Columbus in 1987 from New Jersey. I went to school at Ohio State, and uh, I started there in the fall of 1991. Was it something that you wanted to do, or was it just, oh, this could be fun? Um. Basically, I get to hang out with the rock stars and someone else is going to pay for my booze. That was the dream. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of it, you know? I worked, uh, uh, you know, my jobs when I was here in Columbus. My first job was working at the Newport Music Hall. I walked in the door. I just moved to, you know, moved to Columbus. I was living up the street from the Newport Music Hall. And uh, I walked down. There was a sign on the door. It said, Help Wanted. And uh, I walked in. There's no one there. I'm like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> out of the sort of the dark recesses of the hall comes this big bald motherfucker who's just like, what do you want? I'm like, and said, help one on the door, you know? And I'm, I'm this, you know, 20 something year old kid. And, uh, he's, you know, kind of, kind of walks right up to gets my face. He's like, can you handle yourself? I'm like, what? He's what? like, can you handle yourself? Handle yourself. And I'm like, what? He goes, can you handle yourself? And like, right. Face. I'm like, get the fuck out of my face. And he goes, you start tonight. I was like, <laughs> okay. His name was Terry Paul. Um, TP, as everyone referred to him, Terry's uh, gone on to you know, unfortunately, that uh, faraway land that we call heaven. But uh, or hell, down there's, hell. <laughs> there's a likelihood that it could be there too. Let's keep a positive let's thought. Keep it right. Um, but yeah, so my my first, you know, I mean, I went to lots of shows growing up in New Jersey and New York. You know, I saw the Ramones and I went to CBGBs and I saw lots of concerts, but. I really didn't have any aspirations of working in the business. It's just, well, okay, I'm, you know, working the stage. So, you know, I saw George Thorogood and realized, wow, what a jackass he was. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but then quickly realized, like, well, if you want to make the real money, I'm going to go be a bartender. So I was a bartender. You're a good the, bartender. I'm a really good bartender, you're, actually. You're, you're, I'm yeah, still, you're, you're, I'm you're, still you're a good, still bartender. A good bartender. bartender. I'm still, still a good bartender. You still have an excellent skill set when it comes I do. to making drinks. I do. Thank you. Having, having... <laughs> well, I own a bar now, so <laughs> hey, you know, why, why not? But uh, so, yeah, I uh, <clears throat> did that. And, you know, I worked bartending when I was in school. And uh, the opportunity came for an internship. Um, I was the president of the Ohio State University Ski Club, the infamous Ohio State University Ski Club, which anyone does any research can read all sorts of the shenanigans that went on with the ski club over the years. Did you guys actually ski? We did. We actually did skiing. Not, nothing locally. Skiing was the ski. We skied the pines every Wednesday night at one of the local bars mm -hmm. with, you know, the 2,000 members we had. And we bought lots of kegs and there was a lot of shenanigans. But we did do a ski I, trip twice a year I like out west. I like shenanigans. Yeah, I, I shenanigans are, are one of my favorite things. To, I well, to you get know, into. I 
to shenanigans. You and I have gotten into some shenanigans We've over here. <laughs> Shenanigans has occurred. Um, but so, uh, you know, we uh, we did ski. We would do a west trip, uh, you know, usually at Christmas time and then one for spring break. So, you know, we got some good skiing in Utah, you know, Park City, Wyoming, Jackson Hole, you know, uh, Breckenridge, Vail. So we had some nice ski trips. Um, but Warren Miller, you know, Warren Miller was a filmmaker who made these great epic ski movies back in the day. And, uh, you know, he did heli skiing and he did cliff jumps and you know, everything. And uh, at the time, CD 101 uh, was doing a Warren Miller film showing uh, along with like a ski swap with like Aspen Ski and Board or something. And being with a ski club, they wanted to get some exposure to the students. So I was contacted at the, the university by Wendy Steele, who unfortunately has also gone on to the great beyond and i'm assuming she's more likely heaven but there's definitely a chance she's also <laughs> in that other place um because there was shenanigans yeah yeah and who's to say that hell's all that bad i mean it's you know, true. Well, are, aren't we in it now yeah, isn't this little, it little did bit, you yeah, did you even right? pay attention to cnn today yeah, yeah i mean it be, pretty much was hell we could be at least for some people yeah. yeah yeah for some people um so that was sort of my exposure. I had listened to the station since it went on the air, but that was sort of my exposure. And I asked, hey, do you guys have internships? Because I was going to graduate in, you know, half a year or so. And they said, well, we're, gonna, we're working on that. I said, okay. So they, they were also relatively. Well, they had been in, the station came on the air yeah. August 21st of 1990, but it was uh, actually built and run by a company out of New Jersey called Video Services. And they were they were like a, a, a house flipper. They would come and find like an underutilized market. They would build the radio station. And the minute they got the approval from the FCC for the building permit, they put it for sale. And that's exactly what they did. So it was a placeholder for the first year until it was bought by a local businessman uh, named Roger Vaughn who lived in Arlington. He had done development out west and uh, had listened to a radio station called KBCO, which was kind of like a Jack FM format that you would consider today. They played everything. The jocks were allowed to play whatever they wanted, pretty much. And it was this, this very eclectic mix. And he loved, he was very passionate about radio. Um, so he purchased it um, and pretty much cleaned house, um, you know, except for, honestly, one of the only people that was left was Andy Mann. Mm -hmm. And that was actually how you and I met. Right. And again, unfortunately, again, Andy has gone into the great beyond. We'll, and, we'll talk a little bit more about Andy um, a little bit later on the podcast. But, but yeah. that uh, that was sort of, okay, so you, you're going to do internships? I said, well, I want to be an intern. So I was like one of the very first interns. It was me and Bill Dana Miller, I believe. We were like simultaneously the first two kids that ever interned at the radio station. And uh, I'll always remember my first day because my first day was, you're going to wait for this guy who's going to come get you. And uh, sure enough, here comes this big white ice cream truck, you know? <laughs> and it was like the old GD Ritzy's ice cream truck. Right. We still have it to this day. 1982 Chevy Step Van, biggest pain in my ass of the entire radio <laughs> station existence. Breaks down all the time, won't start in the winter. You know, it's it's an old diesel monster, and I just hate it. But I really love you. Please don't not start for me. Yeah. You know, because. But you got to hang on. But you got to hang on to it. It's... And But I'll never forget, you know, this truck pulls up, the door opens up, and there's this guy who goes, get in! And sure as shit, Andy Davis. <laughs> you know? And I was like, and that was literally, it was like, you know, Get in, let's go. And we went to an Ohio Glory football game. Oh, wow. At the Horseshoe. Wow. 
The Ohio Glory. The Ohio Glory. And that was my first day at the radio station. And it was just like, boop. And that's when I met Andy. And there's a picture in my office of that first encounter. Uh -huh. Literally, someone got a picture of the two of us, and we looked like pups. Because we were. <laughs> yeah. We were both, you know, 20-something-year-old guys. And, you know, he was he had already been on the radio, and he was, you know, DJ and well-known. And I'm just this new kid, like, was you know. Was that his first radio gig? Yes. Yes, yes. as well, he, right? He was moving furniture before that. Right, right. You know, he was a guy from Pataskal, and he literally was moving furniture. Yeah. So, because I remember when he when he got the gig, he was just beside himself yep. with joy because obviously yep. he loved yeah he loved the the job that he had yeah. he loved music and everything else. Like I said, we'll get into that a little bit more. That what did you study at Ohio State? Uh, communications, communications. So I had taken I had taken radio and television classes, and I had done editing and stuff. And um, but I you know so that's it was sort of like oh okay well yeah I could. Sure, why not? I'll like, you know, hey, so I get to hang with rock stars and someone's going to buy my booze? I'm like, cool. This is a good internship to see about getting me into the biz, yeah. you know, getting me into the field. Did you have aspirations of being on the air? You know, because um, like I said, I've known you for a long time yeah. and you're a very personable guy. And you, you I, yeah. I uh, never have really thought about it. Honestly, I would be bored. I just, I, I'm not good at not having an audience. I want an audience. I would not be a good communicator without having that immediate interaction. That was my, probably my biggest stumbling block I've, in, I've the, told... in the beginning was I was used to being on stage yep. and having an audience. And now it, it was hard for me to process the Theater fact that mind. there's still an audience out there. I Correct. just can't see them. Right. So as, as a result, People... I made, I made him and. My co-host and my news right. director, my audience, right. my audience of three. But if I could make them laugh or amuse them, then right. then maybe I was cutting through out there as well. Exactly, and that's I, that's exactly it. And you know, when people say, but you oh, couldn't you couldn't adjust to that. You couldn't. I, I never thought about it because I just didn't. I was just like, eh. You know, didn't because, you think though? Didn't you over, sure. the, over the over the course of the years? Absolutely. Didn't you think there's man? I got I got something I can bring always. to the table. Always. I could do this. I, I could. I thought about that six months ago. I always think about that. But just, it's just, you know, I think my window of opportunity is long come and gone for that, that career path. You think? Yeah, at least being on the radio. You know, I mean, I do, I do my YouTube videos and, you know, I do Twitter and Facebook. Sure, and sure, sure. And I do my stuff. But yeah, I don't, I mean, me sitting in the studio, I don't know. I would be, you know. <laughs> Again, I, I, I would need to have an audience right there because I need that interaction. Because being a DJ is actually a lot harder than you think. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, but <laughs> I'm dating. I don't know if he doesn't know. <laughs> well, but again, not having that interaction to entertain no, a crowd of no one is hard because you don't have that feedback. You don't know if your joke went over. It's interesting that people sometimes, it's, it's always kind of pissed me off a little bit. Uh, once I realized, okay, I'm actually making a career out of this. Right. And people would always say, oh, dude, you got the easiest job in the oh, world. monkeys can do it. You, go, you got the easiest job in the world. You go in and you talk for two, three minutes. You play a song. and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I talk for two or three minutes every day for four hours, five days a week, you know, uh, 52 weeks out of the year. Well, not, maybe not 52 weeks. My point being is like, yeah, uh, and was able to do it for 24 years. That's not an easy thing to do. No. Not at all. Not no. an easy thing to do. No. So, yeah, it's like, all right, fine, go ahead, you do it. That's what I tell people. I say, if you think it's so easy, do it, because it's not. 
And again, that's why I guess I've never thought about doing it because I, I realized how hard it is to be on and entertain. And then, again, without that audience feedback, it's a lot harder than you would imagine because yeah. how do you know if that joke went over? And it was funny because I think it's hilarious because I am hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Consistency. Consistency. Consistency right? is, a, is, a, is a huge part of it. Yeah. Being able to go there and do it and do it yeah. again and do it again and do it again. Sure, if you go in there and you knock it out of a park for one day, sure. good for you. You're a great guest. Yeah, now, exactly. <laughs> You're a great You're guest. You're a great guest. Now come back and do it again tomorrow. Right. Oh, really? Again? <laughs> yeah. I'm out of material. I'm out of material. That was, that was, I gave you the whole backstory. That was 25 years of my life. <laughs> Why, you know, growing up in New Jersey and, and you know, I see... I see pictures of you and, and videos of you going back back east and, mm -hmm. and, and loving life. What brought you to Columbus other than Ohio State University? I mean, was it, um, what, what, what was the draw? Why would somebody that, you know, that in, in my romantic opinion is, is, <laughs> is, 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 is living in, you know, on the East Coast where so many things are happening, why would you, why would you come, uh, come to that particular point in time anyway to the sleepy little town of Columbus, Ohio? Um, Which it was kind of sleepy. Oh, at the time. absolutely. Sleepy. It was. It was the Ohio State University, and that was it. That was it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the short north was hookers and drug dealers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, good times. The good old days. Yeah, the good right. old days. Yeah. Like, so I mean, sleepy. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. you know. Yeah. That was, oh, that you're was... gonna make me pine. <laughs> You know, now it's an urban mall. It was not that in 87, no. I'll tell you that. Uh -huh. um, it, oddly enough, so, um, you know, I had, I, I went to school. I, when I graduated high school, I did not go to college right away. I was not mature enough to do it. You were doing a gap year before a gap year was, uh, oh, I was did a it, thing? I did a gap couple of years. Did you really? I worked. I worked. What I was not ready to go to, um, I worked in a photo lab, a uh, one-hour photo lab. I uh, worked at uh, uh, Propane. Did you look at? Did you look at all the pictures? Every single one. <laughs> Every single one. And we made doubles. <laughs> so, you know, you're gonna ask that I next. About and that. we made doubles. Oh, you got, Absolutely. You see this. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was before. You know, that's when film was film. You yeah. wanted pictures. You, the fastest you got it was an hour later. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Many times. <laughs> No one will and, ever see this. And, 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 you know, the truth be told, I worked with, um, you know, four women. So there would be times that they'd be like, oh, you're going to the counter for this one. Because they knew it. Because they were just back there laughing on the floor. Because, you know, here's dick pics or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, here you go, sir. You know, here you go, ma'am. And just, you know, they look at you like, did they actually look at these pictures? Did you look at them? And, you know, the machine's sitting there flipping them past and we had a little black screen we would put down if they were inappropriate so you couldn't see them from the counter right but oh yeah they would pretty much figure out right away because i'd be like you know with this just shit-eating canary grin i'm like yeah here you go <laughs> yeah. nice yeah. <laughs> nice you know somebody's gonna enjoy that yeah, right, exactly uh, yeah, other, uh, other than you uh, that's funny so you did we worked at a photo so lab you worked in a photo lab um you know i delivered flowers um i worked at a uh uh place that did uh, shipping and receiving, and we shipped propane parts. So like you name it, like tanks to um, little like 
like ball valves to you know uh, pigtails to everything you can imagine for propane. So you just work to work to work to work. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that, what, and that was was that there a goal like to, I got to work and nah. make money to do this? No, it was just, just work. Just because I just you know wasn't ready to go to school yet. I was too immature. You know, I mean, I was lucky if I had puberty by the time I was eighteen. You know, I was really. Just, oh yeah. Yeah, I was. A when you say immature, what I mean? Were you were you, uh, were you an idiot? No, not an idiot. Just you know, I mean, again, you know, it was. And I say that with affection, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, we lived. I mean, I got to live a rock star lifestyle. I mean, you know, we drank and partied and had fun. You know, it was it was the late seventies, early you know, early eighties. You know, I mean, New York City was you know a train ride away. Right. We were in every weekend. Where to in New Jersey did you live? Uh, it's called Clark, New Jersey. Uh. You know, we were we were white punks on dope, you know. That's what it was. We all, you know, the ones that went to college did. The ones that didn't, you know, they got jobs. Right. Um, so I mean, you know, at at some point, I was like, okay, I need to go to school. So I went to Union College, um, and then which I, is in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Okay. Yep. Um, so I got an English degree, and I was like, well, this is going to serve me no purpose whatsoever. Oh, um, you don't know that. Well, I wasn't going to be a teacher. It, and then um, it, it's made you more well-rounded. Well-rounded. Um, and then I went to school, back to school, and for two years, and I drove an ambulance. <laughs> so I was the first responder for two years. Um, when so you say you drove an, ab an ambulance, I drove an ambulance. You drove the ambulance. You didn't actually. Did you get out no, of the ambulance? I was a medic. You were a medic. I went to. Uh, I went to. I went to school for two years to learn to be a medic. Oh wow! And so I, I, I now see I, all the years that I've known you. No idea about yep. that. And that's actually one of the things that that kind of changed my world a little bit. Um, because you know, it was life and death. It was real life and it was intense and the shit went down. You know, you get an unknown MVA and you get there and it's like, okay, it's a fender bender or you get there and literally there are body parts laying in the street. And oh, you're like, man. and and I'm in charge. I have to make decisions. Like who do you call? Who do you fix? And so you had to be trained for this stuff. And it was intense. It was intense. You say you drove. Did you drive it as well? Oh yeah, you yeah. drove it, then got out and yep. and, and yeah, because there took was there people. was times that because it was a it was a emergency squad, we got to do stuff. The fire department didn't get to use the jaws of life, and they hated the emergency squad for it. So we got to rip the cars apart where they had to stand by the big angry firemen watching you know skinny kids rip apart cars, and they had to wait their turn basically. Wow. Okay, lift the roof off now, guys, as I'm with the jaws of like cutting the steering column to get a trapped person out. Was there any, uh, as you look back on those days, was there anything that, that really affected you and, Absolutely. and changed you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it what stopped it? me. Um, there's a couple things. One, I'll never forget. It was, um, wow, it was uh, Easter Sunday, and uh, I was on call that weekend, and uh, we got a call to a house. Um, I pull up in the, the rig with a, another uh, person, uh, and uh, there's cop cars everywhere, everywhere. And we get there, and like, come on, come on, get in, get in, get in. And there's this big Italian family there, Easter Sunday, and uh, the son had was committed, and he was home for the weekend and had an episode. Oh, boy. And there was seven cops holding this 16-year-old kid down and barely holding him down. Knee in his back, arms pulled back, and they could, seven cops could not keep this kid restrained. He was flailing, I mean, literally flinging cops off of him. And the parents are, I mean, mom and dad are there, the family, the grandmothers, the little kids, they're just in tears. And it's just, you know, so they're, I'm like, holy, I'm like, fuck. 
So we went and got a thing called the Reeves Stretcher, which is, um, it's imagine a big piece of canvas with wooden slats in it. So it sort of unfolds. It's almost like how you would make sushi. And that's <laughs> okay. you kind of slide it under them and roll it around them and wrap them up in it. Wow. So they can't move. And he was bouncing this thing off the ground. So we took him to an evaluation to uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget because we get there and we took two cops with us. We had to put their guns up front. Um, you know, and I'm driving there, you know, the guns are up front and the two cops are back there just kind of, you know, holding this kid who's, you know, strapped to the gurney. The gurney's, you know, bolted to the floor kind of thing. And he's bouncing it. He's, you know, you can see he's still moving it. Um, we get to the, you know, ER and they, uh, you know, okay, we'll do an evaluation. The nurse is like, go ahead and time. And I was like, you aren't untying shit. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. I was like, lady, seven cops couldn't hold this kid down. I'm not even going to get near this kid until you get a doctor in here that can evaluate him. So, I mean, the doctor comes in, he has a chart. He's like, okay, boop, pokes the kid with, you know, whatever amount of lithium. About three seconds later, he was drooling. He's like, you're going to tie him now. And that was it. You know, Anthony was his name. And uh, we drove him an hour back to his place. And we got back there. And, uh, you know, we get back and the orderlies come out. And they're like, oh, Anthony, you know. And it was just the, the emotion, though, of this family that was just, I mean, they were devastated by this kid. Just, you know. Obviously, they loved him dearly, but, yeah. you know, I mean, it just, they couldn't do anything. I mean, literally, there was seven cops trying to hold this kid down because they didn't cuff him. He's a 16-year-old kid. Right. But they couldn't contain him because he was just, you know, he had a a, did, a real mental issue. Did you get burned out on that job? Um, I did. The the last one, I mean, we joked about it. You know, we'd get there and, you know, sometimes you, got, you had to joke. You had to make you know jokes sure. about someone cut fingers off and we're like whistling like... Your fingers, your fingers, because you had to. A gallows it, humor, right? Yeah. It was. You had to. Though the one that got me the most was, and it was a sort of the same thing. Um, we showed it. For, it was a transport, just a transport. You're gonna take the guy to the hospital. We get there, and uh, you know, here's this this you know guy who's just sitting there in the chair. Wait, no, yeah, I just need to get a ride to the hospital. I'm like, okay, beautiful home, you know. And here's this beautiful wife and two young kids, and uh, he had cancer, and he had metastasized, and he had days to live. And he just looked like you and me. And he just, you know, I'm done. And I just need to go back to, you know, I'm going to the hospital for a test. And, you know, the look on the, the kids' faces and the mom and the just death. You, I mean, you felt it. it was palpable. I literally was like, I can't do this. I was like, I can drive. I can't. I, I literally am going to well up because it was just so, literally, I never felt death like that in my life. Because he was just, he's alive. He looked perfectly fine, just like you and me. And he's like, I'll be dead in a week. And it was just like, and that was I, it. And I pretty much, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I, it was like, I'm done. I think it's, it's, it, I'm just speculating here, but I'm, I would have to think that you would have to have a certain amount of empathy to do that job. And then also, but by also having that empathy, it's a blessing and a curse because yeah. you have to have it to, yeah. to do it. And then also, if you have empathy, you're going to feel it and, yeah. and it's going to, it's yeah, going right. to get and that, you. And that's the thing. I mean, you, you. You had to really distance yourself from it because sometimes it was hilarious. I mean, you know, the adrenaline rush, driving 80 miles an hour, lights and sirens going to an unknown something was awesome. Yeah. It was crazy. It was insane. You know, yeah, getting, how do you not drive like that all the time? Right. <laughs> getting, working, well, I did. I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. Have you ever driven with me? <laughs> everyone, everyone, no one wants to drive with me because they're all afraid. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you did have sort of a black soul and there was a black hole in you because you had to, because some of the stuff was, you know, I remember we went to one and, you know, this was one of those things where, you know, we get there and the cops are just like the kind of, you get there and you can already see the look on their face and, you know, mom and dad are screaming and, you know, I can smell the cordite already. We heard a loud noise from our son's room and you can smell the cordite the minute you walk in the door and I'm just like, smell the cordite. <laughs> What when you fire a gun? Okay, the gunpowder smell, yeah. and you you already knew. It's like you could smell as you walk up the stairs. You can smell the blood, the iron, and just you know we just sort of get to the closed dorm. You just kind of look at each other like, take a deep breath because God knows what you're gonna see. And you know here's this kid who put a shotgun under his chin, and wow. and you know and mom and dad are just like you know what happened, and you're just like, Ugh. you know you pretty much have to tell them that Johnny is you know done. So you take a break and you come to Columbus, yeah. Ohio. Well, and that's <laughs> and it was. Yeah. I uh, so you know part of that was so I uh, People's Express airline existed. I remember People's, People's Express. People's Express, best thing ever. Flighted from Newark to Boston for twelve bucks. Yeah. We did that one Fourth of July. Flew out, packed plane. You pay your twelve bucks on the plane. We went there. We went to a party. Got hammered in Boston as the fireworks are going over the bay. We fly out. It was me and. My buddy who went up and two guys, business guys that were just shit bagged laughing on the plane. That was it on the way back. And the stewardess was just like, Ugh, whatever. And just went in the cockpit and left us on the plane. So we like raided the plane. We like drank all the bottles and walked around, looked at every compartment. Nobody cared. You know, this was back in the 80s. You know, it was like, who cared? When air, when, when air travel was fun. <laughs> oh, when air travel was crazy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Thanks, Bin Laden. We we used to were there still smoking sections. There were smoking sections, right? Even though you're in a fucking tube. <laughs> it's, but it cuts off right here. Right here, yeah, because I get, yeah. You're in a fucking was, was the most tube. ridiculous thing I've ever yes. <laughs> imagined in my life. Um, but so I uh, I at a Halloween party, I met a girl named Stephanie Camp, and just uh you know fell in love with her my first like real love i guess and uh dated her and she went to school she moved away to go to school to ohio university so people's express airline to the rescue i flew out to columbus 25 bucks round trip i would leave on a friday and i found the ride board at ohio state so i was making money i had these kids pick me up from the airport they'd drive down to ou i'd pay for their gas they'd bring me back afterwards i'd hop on a plane and fly home so I did that a couple times. I drove out a couple times, um, and I was like, Columbus, Ohio. Interesting. So when I decided I was going to go back to school, I thought I wanted to go into something medical, um, and I was going to be a physical given the, therapist. Given the experience. Right. I said, right. I'm going to be a physical therapist. Um, yeah, one semester of uh, you know, organic chemistry. chemistry. <laughs> Science. Done. Like, yeah, no. Done. Not for me. I was like, I'll stick with communications. Yeah, um, but so I, I applied to some schools and I applied to Ohio State. Uh, I got accepted as a out of state resident. That was when you could get into Ohio State, oh. not with a four point. Dude, trust me, trust me. Right. I, I went to Ohio State that University was, yeah, as well. That was when they, and, and they pretty much allowed you to get. We, in, you we've, know. we've said it on the podcast before. <laughs> if you were a resident of the state yeah. of Ohio, I went to school back in the day where they had to take you. They had to keep <laughs> right. you. 
<laughs> but they had to take yeah. you, uh, well, no matter what yeah. your grade point average yeah. was. Out-of-state tuition, checkbook, and a heartbeat. Yeah. You're in, you're son. In. You're, you're in. You're so uh, in. that's 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 how I got in that meandering way to Columbus, Ohio. And obviously... So uh, I followed her out, and, uh, you know, well, I followed out to sort of... But we broke up before I even moved out here, but I just said, well, you know what? Columbus seems like it's a cool place. I can go be me. I can reinvent myself. Be something different. Did you though? Did you reinvent oh, yourself? I mean, yeah. When totally. you say reinvent yourself, though, I mean, uh, there had to have I, been there I had to have been elements of Randy Malloy no, that still carried over still to this day. When we say reinvent yourself, you mean as well, far as a career? No, not really. I mean, just in general. I mean, I stood out like a sore thumb being because I'm obnoxious. A little, you know, right? Uh, I mean, gregarious, okay, yeah, but I'm obnoxious. Word. Yeah, you know, I mean, I am not afraid to to make comments, <laughs> ask questions. You know, it, it, I'm not shy. I'm but it's, not but intimidated it's, by stuff. It and served, that was it served you well. well absolutely. I mean, it was very easy. It it took me a very short amount of time to have this feeling like, okay, this is, you know, a, a very from the pace of world that I came from. This is a very different pace. Right. So I don't. I I feel that I'll be able to you know excel here, um, and that's that's kind of why it's like okay, I can do this. So you start as an intern in promotions. Yep. And do you think it's gonna, you know, it's just a, a stepping stone or something? Sure. Do you think it's gonna last? Do you think you're gonna leave that station at some point? Um, you know, I didn't or, really. Or even... do all of a sudden do you see like, hey, maybe I can move to this next level? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe the next level. And uh, that's Which, that spring, they uh, said, "Oh, do you want to have a job here? Do you want to be the assistant promotions director?" My boss it was Wendy Steele, and she was the marketing director, so I was the assistant to no one. <laughs> so, and again, my attitude was, "So basically, you're gonna pay me to hang out with rock stars, and someone's gonna buy my beers." I'm in. I'm like, I'm in. I'm sure, in. why not? Sure. So you start doing that. So I started doing that. And then one thing leads to another. Yeah, one thing led to another. Uh, Wendy Steele, she, uh, when we, our first home was at 1721 South High Street. And we were there to, from 92, I'd say to 96. So about four years in this little shoebox on the south end of Columbus. And uh, when we moved to the new location, Wendy just didn't want to do it anymore. Because the promotions world drains you. I mean, you're out five, six nights a week. You're right. going to shows. I mean, I worked hundred hour weeks. Right. You know, and you're you're burning the candle on both ends, morning, noon, and night. I mean, you know, if I didn't go into work hungover, it was an off day. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, because you were out at you know, oh, we're going to this concert tonight, this meet and greet tonight, this this night, this this night, and you know, every day was a party. So it was like woohoo! It's nice when but it's part just, of your job description. Right. But she didn't want to do it anymore. She was a, she was burned out. She couldn't yeah. do it. So. So she wanted to transition to sales, and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's sort of have a united front. You know, I'll help you transition to sales with management, and I'll step up and take your job if you think I can do it. She goes, you're in, and I said, let's do it. And we kind of formulated the plan, and that was what we did. So when we moved to our location at 503 South Front Street, she went into sales. I took over the marketing position. Wow. And off you went. And off I went. Yeah. Yep. And never looked back, so to speak. So – um. Uh, so what? So what are what are all the positions that you you held at the radio station before you actually uh, had the crazy notion to purchase it? I mean, well, I was assistant promotions director, right. marketing director, director of operations, right. general manager, yeah, and then president and, and, and president owner. owner. 
So he never got into the program. No, of it never at all. done the programming side. Never got into kind of, the programming side nope, of it. Never or the, the sales. program director or the sales no. side. You just. I mean, I did sales, you know, in the respect that I, you know, was always selling, always, you know, bringing clients to the table or whatever, creating relationships. I'm a good relationship person, mm -hmm. but no, the programming wasn't my forte. I love the music, but yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't my gig. I want to fall back a little bit to, to Andy, Andy yep. Davis, who. Still, to this day, is iconic Absolutely. In, in respects to the history of uh, CD1025 and informally CD101. As a now owner of the company, and and I'm asking this almost as a like a devil's advocate type of question because you know I loved Andy. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I loved him dearly. We hung out oh, together. Yeah. We had... Uh, Thick as thieves. We, yeah, we had long... Uh, Early early morning nights, <laughs> oh, yeah. no. uh, for, forever in a day, but um, and this might be might be it might be a tough question for you to, to answer. I don't know. Is it good that there's still that that iconic presence, or or does it prevent the station from moving forward on, on some level? No, I I, I think it's both. I don't think it's prevented us from moving, and I think it's good that there's a presence. It's history. It is history. It, it, it's it's history. It's part of our heritage. It's part of our backstory. Yeah. Um. You know. I mean. I I I remember literally when we were told on July first of 2010 yeah. that we were going to move from 101 to 102.5. Yeah. You know, Andy Davis and myself both looked at the, and we had conversations about, hey, maybe this is, you know, if he's going to sell it, maybe we can get part ownership. Maybe we can do this together. You know, maybe this is something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And, you know, 18 days later, he's gone. I know. And But, I mean, literally from 18 days from the time that it was sort of a publicly announced that 101 was going to become 102, we formulated plans. We talked that Friday before he, you know, passed away on that Sunday about doing just that. When, you know, when he comes back, hey, let's talk. Let's, you know, think about how can we leverage this and maybe we can then have jobs forever and do this as, you know. Were you concerned that uh, when you when you moved from... 101 to 102.5 that they were, you were going to lose some identity in the process? Um, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, how couldn't you? I mean, I, I, I took a concerted effort and we took an entire year from July 1st to July 1st. We were 101 at 102.5. Even, even against the grain and thankfully, I mean, I got to give, you know, the people at WOSU thanks because our contract didn't allow us to use 101 anymore. Right. After the sale in the December of, you know, 2010, but they were they let us deal with 101 at 1025 all the way through the till the following year because I knew that that transition brand would take forever. And still to this day people are like, "Oh, I thought 101 went away." It's like, "Well, we're 102 and they still don't know it." They still don't. Yeah. Right. It's it's interesting it's how, a, it's, how how a brand Absolutely. gets burned into the, absolutely. the consciousness of people. Yes. It was a it was a hard road to hoe, absolutely, um, but I mean you know we've kept Andy's sort of, you know his celebrity alive with the things for the Andy Manathon. Right. You know we have a shrine in the office to him. You I, can't you I pretty don't. much can't go to any room in the building without seeing something. And I, you know, I, I from think pictures that, to everything else. Good for you. I mean because he was part of it. Good I mean, for you. I mean he was talking about a that. guy that was that was in, 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 part of the grassroots absolutely uh, of that place. Right. And like I said.
And that's why I mean, I lovingly talked loved to all the things that he did there. Loved his totally. job. Loved the people, and and, and was completely uh, unselfish about everything he did. And and, and right. just whatever was for the better good of the community, absolutely the the people he was involved with. So yeah, good for you. No, and he he was for, for kind of keeping that that essence. I mean, he, present. I mean. He, he was a physical presence. I mean, yeah. if, you, if people that knew Andy, I mean, he was a big guy. Yeah. He's six foot four, 300 plus pounds. You couldn't miss him walking into a room. No. I mean, he had paws. He didn't have hands. <laughs> I mean, you know, he'd grab a pitcher of beer like I would grab a pint glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, damn, yeah. you were a big man. <laughs> it's a big man. And, you know, and he hugged you. I mean, he didn't, he, he did. was like, I hug, brother. Yeah. And he gave you a hug. And I mean, I had him hug me every day because he would crack my back. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't go to a chiropractor till. <laughs> You know, years later, because he would fix that every day. Oh God, I, I, re- um, I remember. But you know, he was a he was a hugger, and he was he, he would make anybody feel comfortable. You know, he had that charisma about him because he was you yeah. know this big teddy bear, <laughs> this big teddy bear guy with this big bellowing, booming voice. Yeah, great voice. You know, right? Charming as fuck. Charming as as all get out. Uh, you know, was able to. He could he talk- could either defuse any situation. Or create any situation. Oh yeah, he created. <laughs> oh, he, he created, created many a situation. Right. But there could, was many a day, as much as I love that man, <laughs> where I went to work in the, in the morning, <laughs> cursing him because I'd be at his bar at the treehouse oh, that, yeah. that he picked up at the time, sitting there at ten o'clock at night, still a reasonable hour for me, being uh, keeping the night owl hours that yeah. I kept. And thinking like, I got to wrap it up. I got to be at work at five in the morning. Yeah. He's like, you know, oh, don't be a pussy. Have another drink with me. Yeah. And all of a sudden it'd be midnight. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like. 2 a.m. You know, it's 2 a.m. And then the bar would close. Oh, yeah. And then we'd still be in the bar. And I'd be looking at like it's 3.30 in the morning. And I'd still be there with Andy. And I go, dude, I got to be at work in an hour and a half. And what would he say? That sucks for you. <laughs> I'm like, I was going to say, your fault. His, his words aren't, that sucks for you. <laughs> right, exactly. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does sound. But God, love it. And, I, and when, and when, uh, uh, it's the, when, when, the, when the sad incident occurred, help me out here. Because I, 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 you called me. You called yeah. me. You called me yep. and told me. Yes. Right? It was yes. you. It was you that called and told me. And yeah. I, I just... I, I, I I was like everybody. I'm sure right. that you told at that particular point was just like in complete denial. Yeah, how not? It's not possible. Yep, it's just not yep. possible. Yeah, I mean, I got a call, and I I remember it was a you know Sunday afternoon, and his wife Molly called me. Yeah, and uh, I was at home, and I just kind of was like, okay, <sighs> and you know, and I and I just and I remember I just kind of like, and this is it, it sort of went back to almost like in the ambulance training. Right. Honestly, I just kind of I literally was like, okay, I need to take care of this, and I and I I walked out the door and went down to the station and started calling people and said I need you to come down to the office. I didn't tell anyone why, so you just need to come to the office. And as people came in one by one, I would tell them. And uh, once I got pretty much the staff told, um, you know, we went on the air. Yeah. And it's it's sort of it it burst into a party, a celebration, and people came out of the woodwork to help. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Adam Contras flew in from California and volunteered his time for a week to help us, you know, just deal with it. Um, you know, and it, it was it was tumultuous and it was crazy. I remember, you know, it was we had been there all day and all night, and it was like five o'clock in the morning, and I remember going, okay, I need to go home, and I went home, and I sat on the couch. And I just kind of 
flopped on the couch for a second and just kind of just let out a big sigh, got up, got dressed, put on a jacket and tie, and went back knowing that I had to deal with reporters and TV and everything. And was there at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, this is now almost 24 hours of his doing this. And just, you know, never mourned. Never. Just because I just... Do it. Get it done. Get moving. Yeah, I can't you know, imagine. The show have, must go on. I can't imagine having to deal the show with, must go with on the emotional kind of part thing. of it of a friend right? and, and someone you love. Yep. And then having to, to also now, I have to deal with the business end right. of things as well. Yeah, the show must go on. The, it was the kind show, of the, the mentality show. I had to have. And I just and, kind of just and did And I would it. imagine that Andy would have wanted it that right. way. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. He would, he would have, absolutely. Would have, probably would have said so. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, let me answer not, and, and, and I, I could talk about, we could fill up the rest of this podcast with Andy, but I, I, I don't want to, I would like to do that. Maybe someday we will. <laughs> we just, have just, just do we an, have an Andy special. Just do an Andy special. But I mean, he had I, his own cab driver. I mean, come on, Gene, for God's sake. Before there was Uber, he had his own cab. He had, cab he had Gene, for God's sakes. He would be like, anywhere we'd go, we'd need to get a cab. He'd be like, I'll call Gene. I'll call it didn't Gene. matter if it was morning, noon, or night. No, this guy, guy, I was like, this guy never Andy sleep. had a guy before having a guy was a it, thing. It was. Yeah. Seriously, he had yeah. Gene. <laughs> he had Gene in yellow cab, and I, I never could understand that. Literally, it would be morning, noon, or night. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning, here's Gene. Yeah. Ten o'clock at night, here's Gene. I'm like, does this guy ever sleep? So, no, no. Gene. He's on, he's on constant <laughs> he really, Andy call. He was on constant Andy call. <laughs> he was his own personal Uber. Oh, man. What a beautiful soul. <laughs> CD1025 and CD101. 101, 102, whatever it takes. 101, 102, whatever it takes. Through the years, has always been in, in, in popular polls and, and whatnot, gets, gets voted as favorite radio station. Right. Over and over again. Sure. Can you tell me, from a business sense, has that... It's successful as a as a favorite radio station, but does it apply to financial success as well? And and if and if not, why? Um, well, I think it's twofold. Yes, it's great that we're number one. It's great that we're voted most popular. Um, but the economy of scale as a standalone radio station creates its own unfavorable parts mm-hmm. because you know. The complex algorithms of how radio works when it comes to ad buying. Yes. I'm only at one station, so I can only run so many commercials. I can't clear, you know, more commercials than putting them on to four other radio stations. Right. You got one entity. I got one entity. So I can be super popular and everyone loves us, but if I can't clear spots because I only have so many commercials in the seven o'clock hour, I can't make more money because I can't invent minutes. You can't. There's only so many awesome. minutes in an hour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I right. mean, no, I mean, right. I, it, it makes sense. But I, I, right. is that frustrating? Sure, absolutely. Is that frustrating to absolutely. be to be known as 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 the eclectic popular favorite sure. and, and not have that translate? From, and I'm, I'm not, not I'm, I'm talking strictly from a business sense. Oh yes. To not have that be able to translate into into millions of dollars. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Oh yeah, that would be wonderful. Millions of dollars would be wonderful. But you know, we are a we are a Hardware store in the world of Lowe's and Home Depot. You know, we are the standalone Zettler hardware store in the world of Home Depot, Menards, and you know, And, and if I put it like in, in, in food terms, 
Just <laughs> no, seriously, seriously, you have a very eclectic menu. Yes, you have a very eclectic menu. You have you have music that some people know and some people Correct. get introduced to for the first time. Right, you break in new artists that, that people have never heard of. Yep. Do you ever stop to think that maybe you know could does it ever stop you and you wonder like. Could I make more if, if if I got away from the eclectic menu and sold burger and fries like the other guys? Sure. Yes, I mean, we could. We absolutely could. We absolutely could make and be widely successful financially if we sold burger and fries. Yeah. Yes. But so why don't you? Um, honestly, and once again, I'm being devil's advocate. No, because, honestly, because I don't want you to. Honestly, but, but uh, you please know, don't. By about, the way, <laughs> about ten years into the radio station's life at CD101. Uh, then owner Roger Vaughn and uh, uh, the general manager, Terry Mowry, uh, I got to sit in on this meeting and they brought in some smart people, um, people that were in the community and not in the community that were in radio, not in radio, bankers, lawyers, you know, CPAs, the whole bit. And okay, we've done this for 10 years. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's next? How do we evolve? So forth and so on. I don't remember that meeting whatsoever. I remember a question. I remember the one question that was posed. Do we grow old with our listeners oh, yeah. or do we let our listeners pass through us? And pretty much unanimously, all of us, me included, agreed we let our listeners pass through us. Meaning that we continue with new music. We don't just stop and pick a 10-year you know, span of time and say, sure. here's the music we play forever. And that's right. it. We've got a great big audience, and we take them with us to the friggin' grave. We said no. We let the audience pass through us. We know it's going to be harder. We know we're going to have to acquire a new audience constantly. The acquisition rate is going to have to be always on because Columbus has a 20% turnover, right. if you believe that. I mean, that's 400,000 people a year for 2 million people. That's insane. But we're going to have to constantly reinvent ourselves every single day. We're going to have to change, grow, adapt, and overcome every day. And we agreed when we were 10 years old to do that. We're almost 30, and we still believe that that's the only way to go because we've, we've sort of set ourselves up for that. Right. People look for us as a tastemaker. They look to us as someone that is a music sort of savant. You know, we, we help curate your content. Right. We introduce you to a band that, you know, if it's not 500,000 spins or a million views... The, you know, these corporate stations aren't playing them. They've got to be on YouTube and have a million downloads. I understand. Or, and they don't do it. We're going to take a band that you've never heard of, and we go, wow, that sounds great. Let's try it and break that band. And if it works, great. You know, we get it. If we don't, okay, we tried. And we'll miss some, too. That's We've missed good. some over the years. It's got to be a, a rare bird, though, especially in these days, especially to... to, to to stick to the eclectic oh, and the new we, and so forth. And, there's and not a I lot can't, of us. I can't, I, I would imagine bands, uh, you know, because uh, to get into the music industry now, if, if I'm sitting, if, if we decided as a group right here to start a band right now in this day and age, that would be like, what the fuck are we thinking? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's, you have to be good. You have to be good at your craft. You have to be good at marketing. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, you have to, even as a garage band, these kids have to market themselves to shit to because they, beyond, they've done beyond. Beyond what it used to be absolutely. 20 years ago. Yep, absolutely. Because, you know, between, you know, uh, Bandcamp and Facebook and every social media every, platform imaginable, they have to be fluent in that. 
and they've got to get their stuff pushed out there because there's so many other bands that are out there doing the same thing. They need to be better. They need to practice. They need to have good lyrics. They've got to, you know, make money because again, the record companies aren't throwing a million no. at any band no, anymore. Nobody's doing that anymore. Right. And you know, and it's funny. Is that frustrating? Is it frustrating the fact that the music industry has changed so much in the last uh, just say in the last 10 years? Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it, does it make your job? Does it make your your world harder? Yes and no. I mean, it it we've evolved with it too. We've had to. You know, it, it's funny. I, I love telling the story that there's the two incidents that that always stick out. That I always say, you know, look, every band was a local band once at one point. Okay, sure. at one point, and and I always love the fact that you know, look, you know, we break bands, and it matters if you play them on radio. The first example is that uh, there's a band called Jungle. Okay, may or may not know who they are. I do not. But some years back. Um, we were playing this band Jungle. They played um, Bonnaroo a couple years ago, main stage, you know, or, or the side stages. Big crowd. They just did a tour, sold out the Newport. You know, great band. They had played in Chicago the night before to an audience of 60 people. Six zero. <laughs> we had them play a low-dose show because they were a baby band, breaking a baby band. They came to Columbus, Ohio and a played ba- the, A baby band. Breaking, new band. That's what you call yeah, them? Come a baby, baby band. band. Baby band. Yeah, baby band. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're new. They're new. They're yeah. sparkling. They're baby still pooping their pants. Exactly. Figure things out. <laughs> right. right. Signed by the label. They played Chicago for 60 people. Chicago, big city, right? Yeah, sure. Columbus, Ohio, they played the next night 800 people at the Newport Music Hall. Right. And I'll never forget, Tom, the lead singer, was like, mate, he's like, this is crazy. They're from England. <laughs> he's like, mate, this is crazy. He's like, whoa, whoa, Columbus, Ohio, I've never heard of this place. He's like, this, this is insane, mate. Just how, how is this possible? How did this happen? And literally the answer was, we play you. We play you on the radio. We play you. And we've been playing them for weeks, and people thought they were great. So we want to see a new band, this breaking band. Come and see them, and boom. 800 people. And that is one of the 60. cool things about Columbus. If you play somebody yes. on your station and people like it, and when they, they find out they're coming to town, they'll come see them. They'll come see them. Right. And then how do you decide? Do you have a team? You have a music director? What's what? All of the above. Yeah. What, there what is. Are there's the... a music team. We actually have music meetings on Wednesdays, which is, um, you know, the program director, assistant program director, music director, and then yeah. like record guys come in. Guests come in, staff sits in, you know, people off the street, and so they listen. You, you, to the if you process. like the music, yep. if if they're going to draw, I mean, what's you know, if, what, if, everything. If, do we like it? They rank it, believe it or not. They yeah. sit there with like you know one through ten, and I always tell people if you're in a band and you come to a music meeting, make sure you come with thick skin because yeah, well, you sure. may have poured your heart and soul, and they're like, it's a ten. They're sitting there, and all of a sudden they listen and for the hook, next. and they're like three, three, two, five, three, and you know they're pouty, lipping like. Pfft. <laughs> like that's it's my, my baby. It's everything it's like, I got. I'm never gonna get any better than this. Right, exactly. And I'm a three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's brutal because you know they're trying to listen to 20 or 30 songs in like a half and that's hour. Probably period. more kind than most people. Oh. Oh, <laughs> so you know I don't sit in those meetings. So I'm like, oh dude, those are rough. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you that. But in theory, is uh, I mean, you give hope to the well, average garage band who it, if they if they got it, they got it. The 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 second sort of part of that story is so you know people come down to the radio station all the time we have a bar downstairs a bar upstairs and there's a kid How, how's that work out by the way <laughs> there's a lot of drinking I'm having a drinking, bar drinking, radio drinking station involved. you know how many years I tried to get a, 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 a wet bar put in the well, studio we have a full bar not just a wet bar I've got a full paid bar upstairs <laughs> I, just, I just wanted a little wet bar in the we studio got it. it's so, there 
something. <laughs> it didn't prevent us from drinking. Something that I could uh, actually, you know, uh, take a nip during the commercial-free hour of music. <laughs> Or to get me through the Michael Bolton, Celine Dion years back in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shiver, shiver. Anyway, but, I digress. So there was a kid sitting at the bar. And uh, basically, you know, I said, hey, what's up, man? Can I get you coffee, water, or anything? No, cool, great. You know, a couple weeks later, here's this kid sitting at the bar again. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? You know, here for music music. Oh, yeah, cool. Whatever. What's your name, man? Kevin. Cool, whatever. A couple weeks later, here's this Kevin kid again. And I'm like... What's up, man? I was like, oh, you're back again? I said, oh, are you in a band or something? Yeah, yeah, I'm here in a band for to listen to my music. I was like, oh, cool. What band are you in? I'm in a band called Walk the Moon. Oh, shit. They weren't signed yet. They weren't signed yet? They weren't signed yet. He was pushing his music. He was hustling, coming to the radio station, trying to get on the air. Him and his dad would call, like, incessantly to try and get on the top five at five. Him and, and, his, him and his dad. His dad. I, I, that, that. That is so cool and refreshing to hear. Him and his Him dad. And his dad a call. dad that believes in his son and actually, I'm going to help you. Right. They would call all day long to try and get on the top five at five. And when they finally got on the radio station, he's like, we made it. We're on the radio station. And they weren't even signed to a label yet. And that was their goal. If they, wow. He figured if he was on the radio, he made it. And now, you know, the kind of the rest yeah, of the sure. story is huge. And it's funny because... Uh, Probably half a year back, somebody sent me a tape from a radio station out in L.A. that Kevin was telling that story about his humble beginnings in this radio station in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so, you know, every band has to start somewhere. So right. I always sort of equate that. Look, somebody took a chance on this crazy dude from New Jersey and let them work at the radio station. And we always take that chance of, you know, that crazy dude or a girl that... Plays in a band, give them a chance. I mean, if the world likes them, then why shouldn't they be exposed and succeed? If right. not, well, you know, popular culture will tell you otherwise. Speaking of success, what what popped into your crazy head <laughs> to decide to purchase the radio station? This this crazy <laughs> kid from New Jersey who didn't go to school for a couple of years because he was too immature, decides at one point after being a promotions intern and then uh, working with the general manager, decides, I think I want to I think I want to buy this radio station. What the? F Excuse me, because we're friends. What the fuck were you thinking? Um, you know, honestly, um, if you had not bought it, were you concerned that somebody else would buy it and fuck it up? No. Then what I was, was concerned the that it would be gone. It just gone completely. Yes, and that's and and so you, your decision to purchase it and 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 continue to make it grow was motivated by the simple fact that you did not want it to go away, and that I would not have a job, and I didn't want to do something else at that point in my life. I had been doing it for twenty years. You were doing it for twenty years, but now you're going to buy it. Now it now it's yours. Well, then what? But I mean, again, and, you know, if you're a general manager at a radio station. And somebody above you decides to to sell it or get yeah, rid of it. You're okay. fired. Get you're, out. You're fired. You're not, but now you decide to buy it. You're responsible for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of learned that. <laughs> <laughs> you're responsible for everybody. Yep. You're responsible for lives and paychecks and, 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 and supper on the table for people. Yeah. That's. Did you know that going in? Uh, did you know you would have that load to carry? Yes and no. Yes. I mean, I, I went into it with my eyes wide open. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't want it to go away, and I enjoy what I do, and I didn't want to not do it anymore. 
So, you know, um, did I, did I go into it, you know, a hundred percent, like, you know, I know exactly what I'm doing. No, not at all. Because I've never owned a company. I've never run a company, you know, every single aspect of it. You know, I, 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 you know, managed it, but I didn't run it. Different. Different. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Yes. Because now it's yours. Oh, it's mine. It's yours. Oh, and you get to own it. Own it. And, and that didn't, and those words are an onus right there. You own it. You know, because, you know, when you drop that glass on the floor and it shatters and someone goes, who did that? And you say, I did. You own it. You own it. You know, when, so, when you know, people's lives are on the stake and it's like, you know, you got to make payroll. Guess right. what? You own it. You own it. So, yeah, it's, yeah. So, uh, it's very can, real. Can can you do do you uh do you have a blueprint? Do you moving forward to the future? I mean, do you know what you what what you want to aspire to? What what would you, what would you like to see happen um, with the radio station aside from the fact of course increasing revenues and sure. and, and and all the other stuff that goes along with that. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's a it's a ever moving target. You know, you have right. to we have to adapt and overcome every day because do one you, the music landscape changes. You know, um, how do you feel about, you know, everybody says, and for years they've been bemoaning oh, the radio's that dead. The terrestrial radio, especially, well, you know, with, uh, with Spotify and, and iTunes and Pandora and Sirius and so forth, which I think is bullshit. Terrestrial radio, I think, will always have its always. place in, 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 the, well, in the music world. You know, I, I, I have a sort of my, my, my predetermined things I love to say. One, radio was the original social media. Right. Because we were immediate. Right. Okay? We told you what's happening. Yeah. Here's new song. Here's breaking news. Here's where the accident is. Here's where traffic is. Here's where the cop taking radar is. Right. You know, here's this great event happening this weekend. Here's a cause marketing event. Correct. So we are the original social media, and we still are, because we're immediate. What's beautiful about radio still is, I'm free. I don't cost you anything. You don't have any upcharge. You don't have a subscription service that keeps getting more and more expensive as you use more bandwidth. I'm free. And also transportable. I'm in your car. You can put me on a, on a, 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 you know, your little iPad. Your phone has an FM receiver in it. It doesn't cost anything. So you can take radio with you anywhere you want. So those things, I think, will help us continue and sustain for a long, long time. Cool. You know, it doesn't require that you have to have a lot of bells and whistles. Your, your point of entry is nothing. Explain that. Well, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to radio. You know? Okay. All right. you know, your point of entry costs it, it you nothing. Costs you nothing, costs right? You nothing. Okay. Also, we're a passive medium. You can drive and listen to the radio. You can't text, or at least you shouldn't, while you drive. <laughs> you shouldn't be watching YouTube videos you know, while you're right. driving. You can listen to the Whiskey Podcast, and I highly suggest that, especially this one. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that when you drive, but yeah. you can't watch it, or at least you shouldn't. You can also do lots of things when you're doing the radio. You know, you want to have dinner, you can listen to music. You can't really watch TV and be engaged in a conversation, right. but you can have music in the background and listen to it and be engaged in a conversation. You know, you also don't remember, like I always use example, you don't remember your first kiss or your first car crash to that article you read or the newspaper story you read or the TV show you watched. It's connected to music. Yeah, it is. You know, that's yeah. you know. It says, "Oh, that's our TV show." No, that's our song. That's our song. All right, <laughs> that's right, our song. Right, right. right. No, so it has it. a very endearing place in people's, you know, 
collective psyche and music will always do that. And radio, I think, is always going to be part of that because, again, we're immediate, we're free, we're transportable. And as a passive medium, you know, we don't interrupt your lives, we enhance it. Do you still love it? I love it. Love yeah? It. Yeah. You still yeah. love it? Still got the passion oh, for Oh, absolutely. It. There's still... days I get up and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Because as, as, as life has gone on, you got married, you had a kid. Oh, you, yeah. You have other Life interrupts. Yeah, yeah, life interrupts. Life interrupts. Life interrupts. Life enhances. Life yeah. slows you down. I mean, it, it, sure. it, it throws it throws roadblocks, obstacles, Absolutely. whatever the case might be. You know, you're not the same intern in promotions oh, that I, you were. I, I definitely can go out five nights a week, but I feel it a lot <laughs> more. I will tell you that for certain. It's a little harder to maintain that pace. Well, I'm glad that we had our moments through the years. Oh, absolutely. And we will continue to moment. Oh, we can, this is a moment as far well, as we'll I'm concerned. Continue to moment. So um, I, I got what I consider to be some of the the business aspect. And I think, mm -hmm. I think people will find this very interesting, especially in the position you're at now. But I want to just ask you a couple of round robin questions before sure. we get off and, and wrap this up. First of all, did you even sip the old scout yet? What do you, you think of the I old scout? I like it. It's I I gotta tell you, cube get cubey. Johnny, yeah, uh, the the old scout American whiskey. I wasn't on a prison, but the one oh seven. It's very nice. Is it's 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 uh it's pretty damn smooth. It's it's kind of sweet. It yeah, it's very sweet. It's very sweet and and, uh, and and it goes down really smooth. So, um, uh, I I love old scout. I I love almost everything that they've done. I. Applause, thumbs up. You know, if 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 whiskey was a song, I would play you on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Passively. A couple of fun questions. Your very first concert. What was your first concert ever? Really? Yeah, man. You have to remember your first. Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> Not the answer I thought. Not the answer I thought would come Whis from from, from a guy from Clark, New Jersey, who would go to New York City to CBGB. I did not think that Liza Minnelli would be your first concert ever. Really? Worcester, Massachusetts. Why? Uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. It was, uh, my, my dad was from <laughs> Massachusetts in Worcester. Uh, my cousin... <laughs> My cousin Steven. <laughs> I've never seen him laugh. Sorry, 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 I can't Randy. Believe that Randy Malloy's yeah. first concert was Liza with a Z. Liza with a Z. <laughs> yep. Uh, Did my, you like it? I, I was. You I was like eleven. You loved it. I was like you eleven. You loved it. I think I was like eleven. Come to the cabaret, exactly. old chum. I, uh, I went. My my cousin Steven, who lives out in San Francisco, oh, his friend man. Paul. Um, it was like Thanksgiving. I didn't want to be with the damn family anymore. And they were like, going, I'm like, take me. And you know, they're like 20 year old guys. And they're like, they're like, well, take your younger cousin. And they were just like, are you fucking kidding me? So they're, you know, they're like smoking joints, getting high, getting drunk. And they took me to Liza Minnelli at the Worcester Forum. Yeah, you know, let's 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 take the high road and say that uh, that that makes you that much more well rounded. Absolutely, I'm That's completely well rounded. You know what? I think I had to drive the car the car home that <laughs> night though. <laughs> at eleven. At eleven. At eleven. Yeah, they were just shit bags. <laughs> they were. You're driving home oh, yeah. drunk and people partied at yeah. the Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. I remember driving. My my first concert was uh, uh, Eagles. Oh, there you go. Eagles with and and the Doobie Brothers and uh, Average White Band opening. How cool for you! There you go. <laughs> that was mine. Uh, favorite concert. 
ever. Ooh, that's that's, I, a, that's, that's not fair. I that's, know that's, that's not a fair question. Ones. That's a toughie. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, one I mean, that affected you. One that one that one that resonated. One that like wow, I I'm oh, so glad I was here. Come to the cabaret, friend. Um, I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing my mother's favorite song that she hated somewhere over the rainbow. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's a hard one. I mean, I've seen a lot of great shows over the years. I'll I'll cut you. I'll cut you some slack. Maybe top three. Um, I, I loved I saw the Ramones play. Oh, awesome! Um, I've I've seen her play in close, but when I saw them in New York, that was a great one. Um, I saw you two play the Super Bowl after 9-11. And that was a really, really kind of an emotional show. And I've seen you two, you know, probably a dozen times over the years. And that was a really... Uh, but that one, after yeah, whatever yeah. thing was going on in the country, Yeah, and they, they speaking, put the, they, yeah. they scrolled the names of sure. all the people that, you know, lost their lives. And uh, that was, you know, in the Superdome. It was a, a pretty, uh, pretty intense one. And... Uh, Probably one of the more memorable ones was that it was Womad, so it wasn't a single artist. It was Peter Gabriel who did the World of Modern Art and Dance, and it was at Buckeye Lake. And uh, at the time, Jane Purcell, it was Peter Gabriel, Lenny Kravitz, Sinead O'Connor, the drummers of Burundi, and a whole bunch of, of Jesus, people. Yeah. This was early in my, my life. This was like 94, I think. Sure. And um, Wendy Steele, you know, I think had, had, had uh, still been around, but Jane Purcell was the program director, and uh, loved Jane to death, and she's a huge Peter Gabriel fan. And she was going to get to meet Peter Gabriel. And she was just like, you know what? You go do stage announcements. And I was the promo guy. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I got up on stage at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And it was like, you know, hey, how's everyone doing? And, you know, it's like 30 people out in this field of 50,000. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm a little hungover too. Yeah, I'm, like, right. I'm like, you know, I'm sure the day will get better. Everyone enjoy. Woo. You know, uh, you know, by the time the day went on and I'm, you know, I'm introducing Lenny Kravitz. You know, and there's 50,000 people out there and people chanting, Randy, Randy. And it was just, well, because I was the MC all day. Sure. And right. I'm trying to do stand up and have fun and, you know, yeah, keep right. people entertained. You got an audience. Right. I got an you audience. I got an audience. And I was like, yay. Hey, I can do this. Um, I, uh, the drummers of Brundy spoke Swahili. And that was the blow off language I took in college. So I heard them speaking and I said, Hody, Hody. He goes, Hody, Hody. I said, Jumbo. He goes, Sorry, Jonah. And next thing you know, having a conversation with this guy from Burundi. And all, the, like, Peter Gabriel and Lenny Kravitz, they're all kind of standing there watching me have this conversation. He's like, My brother, I love you. And he's like hugging me. And they're just like, Holy crap. And next thing you know, I'm the guy I get to party with Lenny Kravitz. Oh, wow. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I got pictures of me hanging out with Sinead O'Connor with her skinhead. And she did smoke cigarettes like a chain smoker, one after the other. Wow. And it was just, it's just one of those really special sort of, you know, sure. things where it just, you know, it, was, it sort of elevated to a different plateau. But just because I spoke Swahili. So who knew? You never know those crazy skills come in handy someday. <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, yeah. So you never know when your skill <laughs> you set's going to kick did. in right. and become necessary. Um, people that you didn't see that, oh. that, that have now departed. Are, are you sorry that you never saw? I'm sorry I never got to see. Yeah, you know, um, I, I never got to see Queen. Mm-hmm. Would have really liked to see Queen. Um, I would like to see in The Doors. Yeah, I would really like to see. The yeah, players. I I get that. I get that. You know? Yeah, that would have been that. Would, you know, especially when I think about us in our yeah in our younger days. Yeah, that that would have been a that would have would have been a band we all would have uh, related. to. Yeah, I would have dug that. Uh, dug that big time. Yeah, 
All right, uh, the Doors, Queen, anybody else? Um, not really. I mean, I got to see most of them over and, the years. And let me ask you this: bucket list now? Is there anybody that you still want to see Ooh. that you haven't? That is still with us, and I mean, not I, yet. Over the over the course of the years, yeah, you've seen just I've seen about, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I've you know I've seen from Bowie to you know. Neil Young, you right. know, I've got to meet all those guys. I mean, you know, Lou Reed, and you know, I got to see and meet most see, of those I, guys I, over I, the years. I, I, you, you might know? have to come back and just um, do a podcast about that. Oh, the crazy stuff! I mean, I, yeah, you take, want, take, take all the I'll, business I'll aspect you, of the society tell you and just talk about stories. I'll tell you a funny story, and I'll, I'll try and make it brief. But you know, my brevity is not my strong suit. I understand. I tell everyone, <laughs> mine either. Very, very early on in my career, very early on with the radio station, I was probably you know this is just past intern, but working. Um, the DJs didn't do a lot of the stuff, so the promotions guys did a lot of the MC stuff. Right. So one of the times I got to go MC a show at the Newport Music Hall. And it was a reggae show. So I'm there. I remember it was Dighton Charlemagne. And I'm backstage and you know, catering. So I'm, you know, having I eat some pasta and we have just great food. And these guys are rolling blunts backstage like mad, you know, using like backwoods. They're unrolling them. I'm like fascinated by watching these guys do this. They're like, you want to come? I'm like, no, 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 man. I can't get high. I got to, you know, I'm going to do the stage announcements. You know, I'm like, you know, new to station. I'm sure. like, you know, I don't want to do anything, you know, fucked up. And I'm sitting back there and I'm just hanging out and I'm talking and like, you know, Cliff Hardy was there and there was a whole bunch of people that, you know, I still know the names and stuff. And uh, I'm Cliff sitting there eating and, I was, and the one yeah. goes, oh, man, be careful. I'm like, what? He goes, those are strong, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, halfway through a brownie. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's like, I was like, what? The brownie he goes, yeah, man, be careful. I was like, this is my second one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> so, so I'm basically standing backstage now, freaking out that you know I'm gonna get completely baked. And lo and behold, you know, okay, all right, you're on. They pull the curtain out, and it was like a fisheye lens. And I like step out onto the stage, and it's dead quiet. The Newport Music Hall, two thousand people sold out. You know, standalone oh, mic in the middle of the stage at the front, and I walk up, and it's like, and I'm like, hi, I'm Randy C. One Hundred One and I just. Stop and everyone looks at me. You're gonna hear a pin drop. And I I'll always remember I just said, I ate a brownie. And the whole place just erupted. Was it, was it pot brownie or hash brownie? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't that, even was know. All, that was one of my old jokes. And like, I literally well, if you eat a hash brownie, you get the munchies. Right. And, and all you got left to eat is a hash brownie. Right. <laughs> and I just stumbled off state and I'm like, I'm so fucking fired. We got to wrap things up. Uh, dude, uh, seriously, I would love to have you back just to talk about Absolutely. all the artists and stories. Oh, there's so you know, many we, fun we, ones. We can make it there's just good a, ones. There's we can bad make ones. it just a simple. Uh, oh, uh, some of the adventures of uh, Andy yeah, and I. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so much. To, there's, there's so much we're leaving on the yeah. table, but we'll, yeah. we'll save it for another podcast. And that's the one where I may say I need an edit <laughs> afterwards. Going, <laughs> Maybe I should have told that. The podcast yes. remorse. <laughs> I don't think there's been yeah. any podcast remorse. No, not tonight, but if, uh, telling the stories there, there might yeah, be. Yeah, <laughs> that might be. Um, our guest, terrific guest, by the way. Thank, well, thank you, brother. you, I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for it's, having it's, me on. It's, uh, I truly appreciate it. I, I do feel blessed and I am very grateful for being able to do this for all the years that I have as I know you are yeah. very grateful for your 24 years doing it with I Sonny appreciate and, that uh, too man but uh, you know and I appreciate our friendship for all these years you know it's been a good a, friendship you're you're yeah. a really really genuine good guy and I've always enjoyed our, our interactions together over the years whether it's uh you know hanging out with the boys playing cards drinking or whatever but 
I've always always found it to be, uh, you know, we've one of the a, really good ones. Too, we've had a very and I, and I eclectic, We've had a very eclectic history. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> over the years, shenanigans may be involved. Shenanigans, <laughs> shenanigans may be right, involved. Right. I, and, I believe I was poor judgment, and they were. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Because because Paul, because one of our good friends, Paul Anthony, right, worked at your radio yes, station he did. for a while. Yes, he did. Yeah, and uh, and I'm putting his name in there now, just so I can, <laughs> so you can tell just, him he needs to just, listen. Just so I can exactly. Tell, I would, Paulie, say, we mentioned I, you. <laughs> He'll have to listen to the whole damn thing and be like, Paulie, we exactly. mentioned you. Uh, exactly. I, I knew that. I, 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 knew I figured it. that you out. I was going to slip that in there. Totally. Just to make that little fucker yep. listen to the whole, whole goddamn thing. thing. All the way, yep. All the way through. Got and it. Go, oh, they just mentioned me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Hey, Paulie, love you. Fuck you. Love there, you. There, we, love got you, you. we got you. We got you. We got you. The guest bottle has been Old Scout 107, and we approve. Yeah. This is Johnny. Thank you for picking us up in, in Kentucky. Uh, I appreciate that. That was good stuff. And Greg Hansberry, I know you want to go through the uh, through the, the love list, list through the love yeah. list one more time mm-hmm. before we say goodbye. Well, of course, you can watch this podcast on YouTube. Uh, subscribe at Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Thank you. Uh, archived episodes there. Twitter Whiskey Biz Show. Yeah, which is new, so that's kind yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got that going. I for was us. always pushing it on at Dino Trip. That's my Twitter handle, but I was always pushing whiskey business on that. And I was like, well, I just okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're on the Facebook. Like us on Instagram, the Facebook. The, the Facebook. The Facebook. On the Instagram. We on the Facebook. Grandpa. It's on the www uh, Instagram <laughs> whiskey business like podcast. The gout. <laughs> the gout. Uh, and subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes, please and thank you. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who have done that, thank you. There's been some uh, very lovely, very positive reviews on everything, and we appreciate that. And I appreciate you. I want to say that Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production. Uh, once again, produced audio-wise by this guy right here. And on the video side, there you go, John Whitney. <laughs> Thank you, brother, so much oh, for absolutely. I appreciate it. Appreciate so it. So much. Love you. Love what you do. And, and and love your stick-to-itiveness throughout everything, man. Either that or I'm stubborn and stupid. Well, you know, sometimes stubborn and stupid is the way to go. Is the way to go and is what you are. Right. And that ain't a bad thing. Yeah. So, my friends, until the next bottle, see ya. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.